spoilers for The Office. Pico and Miles O'Brien never should have been a main character couple. I'll give you your happy ending. The best thing I've seen all season. Welcome to This Place in Space, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. I'm Angelina. And I'm Sam. And we're recapping the series as we watch each episode for the first time. We don't know what happens to the characters or whether the crew even gets home. But we're definitely along for the ride. And today we're talking about the episode titled... Displaced! What? Yes! How did we not know that they had an episode called... Well, it's because we don't know. We don't look into the future. But that's, I can't believe that we have the same title as they do. I know. I felt so clever coming up with the title that we came up with. <laughs> but now, is it more clever? that Because now it shares... A title with an episode of Voyager, or is it less clever? Because I don't. It's know. just another way of saying lost. Yeah, I guess it's just a way of saying lost. It's They're fine. displaced. They're almost replaced. Yeah, they should. This should. Uh, this actually should be called replaced. Yes. <laughs> there we go. We're more clever. No, yeah. I'm <laughs> uh, it's season three, episode twenty-four. It was written by Lisa Klink and directed by Alan Croker. It first aired May 7th, 1997 to 4.7 million homes. IMDb states this is the one where Voyager's crew is being replaced by strangers one by one and the replacements don't know why they are there. I say this is the one where Tom Paris is petty and bitchy and I'm here for it. Quick, so they even say that it's, they're replaced. So they should be replaced, replaced by replacement. Yeah, so they should be called. It should be called replaced, not displaced. Henceforth, this is called replaced. <laughs> and we are the one true displaced in <laughs> yes. space. Yes, we are. Um, also, how does replaced start? Oh, go ahead. Oh, how do we? Play? Before we start, I just want to say, as a Bellana Torres and Tom Perry shipper, I feel like an embarrassment of riches because. As a Janeway and Chakotay shipper, there's like, it's like crumbs. You're like looking at crumbs. <laughs> and also, in many of my previous ships from various um, shows, like this is one of the first times where, like, I get it. I get it all. I know what people feel like when they get their ship and it's everything that you want it to be. Because it's like every episode, there's at least something. And then this episode, there's a lot of things. So, as a shipper, this might be the stupidest question I can imagine, but maybe not. Is the ultimate goal for them to end up in a happy relationship? Like Jim and Pam? No, I wouldn't say. No, I want them in a relationship like Ben Wyatt and Leslie Nopes. <laughs> That's Where like it's way. an actually good relationship after they get together. Then, okay. But, and that's what you want then. So you want the happy ending for these two yeah, characters. Yeah, but I also want, like, again, I hope it's like Parks and Rec where um, they were able to make storylines that were interesting, that weren't um, them at each other's throat. They were always a team. Like, they stayed a relevant um, part of the storylines, um, their relationship, and it was always interesting and good and dynamic, whereas I think... Pam and, and Jim, after they got married, they, they kind of got negative a lot of times. And I think Leslie Nope and Ben Wyatt would never turn negative. They were always on each other's, like, that had each other's, like, the, you know, the, backs. The Jim and Pam looked like a bell curve almost. Yeah, but, from, like, season one to season whatever it was, nine when it ended. Yeah. yeah, like, some point in the middle there, it was like, 
Golden. Golden, yeah. And then it went downhill. downhill. Spoilers the, for The Office. But their relationship kind of goes downhill. But Ben Wyatt and Leslie Nope, it, it was like just kept getting better and better. And it even ended on a high note, I feel like. And the challenges were challenges that they faced together, together. and not that they caused each other. Yeah. And so that's what you want from Tom Paris and Bellana Torres. Correct. That's what I'm hoping for. And that's what I feel like the chemistry says. Mm -hmm. So I was never, I was, um, I was never a Jim Jim and Pam shipper (laughs) because I didn't like their dynamic. I like the Ben, again, I like the Leslie Nope, Ben White. I like challenging. I like people who like challenge each other, encourage each other, um, and um, do those kind of things. And I feel like the Tom Paris... That's why I wouldn't... I would prefer Tom Paris and Bellana Torres over Tom and Kess. Because there's something about the Tom and Bellana. Like, they are going to hopefully grow and make each other stronger and better. And, like, once they get together, if they, whenever they do, it's only going to be... You're going to have... They're still going to be dynamic. They're still going to be good storylines with them as they grow into adulthood. Because... Neither of them are there yet. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> Neither they—they're both like, uh, yeah, I would say damaged in ways that complement each other, and they're both immature in ways that complement each other. Yeah, and I wanted—I mean, I will say though that it—that it would be nice to think that because it's Star Trek, once two people get together, they stay together and it's happy, but. I don't think then they do there's that. Miles O'Brien and and, and Keiko, Keiko and that yeah. that relationship but that, but that, <laughs> crashed that, into a mountain immediately after but, they got married but and it first, was always so awkward to watch. But we saw their relationship the first time was when she didn't want she which didn't want to marry. We saw him in Data's Day. The first time we ever saw oh, Keiko that's right. and Miles O'Brien their was wedding in, day was, was their it. wedding day yeah. and it was a mess and like so we so, so I don't I I say that was messed up like the whole, from the start like but she didn't want to marry him. Okay, but why? We'll get around to talking about this episode one day, but I don't understand why they just kept following that couple who never really ever had a good moment. What happened was the actor who played Miles O'Brien got into air con air and became like relatively a good act, like you know, relatively like known actor. So they were like, let's bring him down into DS9. Oh, we forgot we married him off. So we have to bring the wife. <laughs> and then they got rid of her as soon as they can. How many times did she have to go down to that planet? I know. And they just, just disappear because his true relationship was with Bashir. When like, she was in some stuff, uh, that actress was in some stuff outside of Star Trek as well. Yeah. And so it was, and so I think sometimes that might have been why she was off the station. Oh, yeah. But, after a while, yeah. that show, like, Sometimes the the star characters, the main characters that had their names in the opening credits were barely ever in the episodes. Yeah. And it'd be like Rom, Nog, and um, someone else that, like, in Keiko or whatever that wasn't even <laughs> yeah. as part of, like, the, it was like the main story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, so. it's terrible. And then also, I will say, Miles O'Brien... I liked him better with Kira Norris when she was accidentally carrying his baby. <laughs> like that was he was so they had such a better relationship because like, Hiko and Miles O'Brien never should have been a main character couple. They they never reacted well. Like their personalities, the characters' personalities were like oil and water. Yeah, that's why I thought it was. Yeah, like like when when Miles was actually 
Able like to. A, a person who wanted to be there for Nerys. It was like, why are they keeping on with this Keiko and Miles thing forever? Because they like, had to. It was like a joke after yeah, a while. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. How terrible it was. And so, like, they created these two characters that weren't good, but it would have been fine because they never were supposed to be leads in anything. Mm-hmm. But then, again, they brought in him into DS9. If you bring Miles O'Brien, then you have to bring his wife. Yeah. You know, and it's just one of those things, I think, that were just tragic. Well, <laughs> let us hope that that is not the fate of... Tom Paris. What did you come up with a shipper name for Torres and Paris? Or we uh, email us at yes. this place in space podcast at gmail.com if you have, if there is an existing shipper name because we're not out scouring the internet. Yeah, for we this can't. Stuff. I, I'm really curious, but yeah. I can't look it up <laughs> because then we find out that Torres died in season four like, or something <laughs> and they never got a shipper name. But yeah, exactly. Otherwise, I don't know what would it would it would be. Or they might not ever get together. Like you never know. You know, it might have they it might fizzle out. They, yeah. You know, I mean, they did that with uh, Picard and um, Crusher. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you don't try. You don't really watch Star Trek for the relationships. You do. <laughs> not really. It's just fun. It's yeah. like a fun like cherry on top. So I don't expect much from the Voyager people. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> this might be the best you get. Yeah. This feels like this it's episode. the best that we get. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so now let's start on this actual, we're five minutes in. <laughs> this Place in Space has been replaced <laughs> by a podcast about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <laughs> replaced in space. <laughs> we start with the hallway walk and talk, or I call it, they call it walk and fight. <laughs> um so we open, we open, of course, with Milana Torres and Tom Paris, because this is a big Tom Paris, Milana Torres um, episode. And also, I like that it's good continuity, because um, Tom Paris apparently won their bet from last mm-hmm. episode. Oh, yeah, that was really neat to see Torres coming out with a bat list. Yes, was like, yes. Because that so was, cool. like, directly what the bet was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, they just finished the Klingon exercise routine that Tom Paris forced her to do. And Milano Torres is angry. And Tom is like realizing that like he's like, I'm not pushy, but he is pushy. He's the bossy friend. But unfortunately, he's so used to being the bossy friend with Harry Kim. Mm. And so he doesn't know how to be. Um, he doesn't understand why Milano Torres isn't like all into him being bossy and pushy and doing things for her own good. So he sees, like, this is my, this is mine and, and I think your theory is that, like, he knows that Blanche Torres is, um, has an issue with her Klingon side, so he's going to do everything he can to make sure that she gets okay with her Klingon side. So he's really doing all this for her own good, and it's like, Tom Paris, you can't do things for her own good. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Well, you'd be a little more delicate than he's being about it, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like right out there. It's like, oh, you don't like your Italian heritage? Well, guess what? We're going to only eat Italian food and watch Italian movies. and For every yeah. yeah, like immerse you in Italian culture. Yeah. yeah. And then I think Tom Paris gets into some pretty dicey territory as he human-splains the <laughs> art of the batlet. Oh, yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't yeah. You're explaining it to a Klingon, uh-huh. a half Klingon, like it's not good. <laughs> yeah, he was like, it's not a um, 
it's like a precision tool yeah, like, or whatever. It's, yeah. You're talking to a half Klingon. Yeah. Stop it. And it's not like she doesn't know about Klingon stuff. She just doesn't. Yeah, her she, mo- she lived. Like, with, she grew up with her mom, who was Klingon. Yeah, she doesn't so, like identify so much with it. Yeah, yeah, and probably resents it in a lot of ways. But she knows about it. Yeah, and then I do again. It, there's a. Li- I feel like and this is might be me projecting, but I feel like Tom Paris by pushing it so hard and calling the Klingon culture fascinating, he is unintentionally othering her and making her feel like, kind of closed in. And mm-hmm. I don't know if the writers meant for that to happen or Tom Paris did or Belan Torres, but it's all there kind of in subtext, I feel And like. I think it is on brand for him, going back to what you were saying, of d- describing him as pushy. Yeah. Well, no, and, I didn't. Belan Torres did. I called well, him Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, again, he want, he's doing his best. He's, his heart's in the right place. Yeah, his heart's But in he's the right not place. a psychologist or anything. No. And he's... he's He's um, being a blunt instrument, yeah, and then, not a precision tool. Exactly. Yeah. So then, Blanc Torres, she got triggered. So what I think is, she was in that thing. She got she, she was in the exercise. She got triggered for some reason, and she just admitted like she would never do this exercise program. But she had gotten tricked into it by Tom Paris, and she is completely angry about it. And it's very hot, and it's great, and it's all <laughs> kinds of messed up. And I loved every moment of it. Oh. It's um, hot and it's great. <laughs> she uh she said she tried it, she doesn't like it, and it's over. Um, but at least this time Tom Paris does stand up for himself and he's he's like, I'm fine with you not liking the program. But he's like he's like, Why do you always have to be so hostile about everything all the time? Because she's, she's a Klingon. Yeah, you know, exactly. She screams at him about how not hostile she is, and it's hilarious and hot and all kinds of messed up. <laughs> And they get interrupted by some random alien teleporting into their hallway space. Yeah. And um, Tom Paris sends a a communication to the bridge about this alien visitor. And uh, they're they're nice to describe him as a visitor, not an intruder right away. And I wonder if it's like bias on their part because it's this old man who doesn't doesn't have any weapons or anything. Yeah, it's just this old man appears. And he is acting scared. He acts like he's been abducted. Um, Torres is still has her aggressive demeanor going. And this, quote unquote, scares the visitor as well. Um, even though she's trying to put him at ease. And then it doesn't help that she's the one holding the weapon. She's got the bat left in her hand. And um, they try to de-escalate things and calm him down. And they tell him he's on Voyager. And then he tells them he's from Nuria 3. And then he... He's very cold and it's too bright in here. And they decide to take him to sick bay. And I just thought it was funny that Paris sent that calm to the bridge and it just, it was like sending an email into a black hole. Like yeah, no nobody. one was like, we'll be right there. And no one ever came. And they were like, I guess we'll deal with this. Yeah. And we'll take him. It's fine. Um, so we're in sick bay and um, the. Uh, he is more the alien is more comfortable at 45 degrees Celsius, which is for you Americans 113 degrees <laughs> Fahrenheit, which is crazy hot. I think, or just another random summer day in the town where we live. <laughs> That's also true. Yes. Um, Janeway and Tuvok are talking to him, and the man says he has no idea how he got there, which is lies. And they ask if his people have transported technology, and he says no, which is lies. 
And then he says his people are located on the third planet of the Nurian system. Janeway says Voyager hasn't encountered the system and she admits they don't know the area and she wants him to look at a star chart to see if he recognizes his system. She lets him know that Voyager is going to scan the area for clues to see what actually happened. And Tuvok realizes that Kes isn't in sickbay with the doctor oh, yeah. about where she is. And the doctor is being all catty, saying she is late for her duty, and he doesn't know where she is. They figure out the alien replaced Kes, and we are like, dun, dun, dun. Two things. One, these aliens. They look like humans. Yeah. And so what was the episode where they were like, oh my god, they're humans. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, like, here's yet another alien race that just looks like humans, but they didn't go, holy crap. Are you from the Alpha Quadrant? <laughs> exactly. And then the other thing is, yeah, I thought we were getting like another episode where Kess is being flighty mm-hmm. and irresponsible. Because she's three now. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that that was where they were going with this. But because um, I guess you and I are noticing like a lot of changes with her, you know? Yeah, there are a lot of changes. But that's not what this is. Then we get this funny scene here, following up on the Torres and Paris drama. And it's Torres and Harry Kim, they're in engineering. Torres doesn't seem that interested that a crew member has been replaced by a random alien. And they don't know where the alien came from. And there's no inhabited planet in uh, 10,000 light year radius from them. Um, instead she cares about her fight with Tom Paris, just like Angelina does. (laughs) (laughs) That's all anyone cares about. (laughs) Um, but that's what she and uh, Harry Kim are technically supposed to be working on, right? Mm -hmm. Figuring out what's going on. And then Torres gets into what she really wants to talk about, which is her fight with Tom Paris. And (laughs) she asks... Harry Kim, if she's hostile, and she even asks him in, like, a hostile way, yeah. and Harry Kim knows. But at first, he doesn't realize what he's walking into. Yeah. He's like, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> and then he sees her her demeanor just getting worse, <laughs> and he's like, gulp. Yeah. yeah. And um, he's like, I wouldn't describe you as hostile. <laughs> and he knows to try to like get this conversation over with but Torres goes off on a little rant but like well you're good and no one should describe me as hostile right and if they were they'd be making a big mistake right <laughs> and he goes like yep that's right and it's just it's funny his his facial expressions this is the funniest scene in the episode yes yeah. And he doesn't have an answer for her but he gets saved because he disappears yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was like he willed that to happen. <laughs> yeah, he literally just uh, disappears. There was a surge of Polaron particles. And, um, um, and then he's gone. And not just from the ship, but yeah, basically the episode, right? I don't think we see yeah. him too much after Goodbye, this. Harry Kim. Yeah, we see him one more time with Kes. Kes doesn't have any speaking lines. And then this is it for Harry Kim. And you're like, what? Why? I mentioned that, I think, was it last week, where on the original series, basically, uh, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy were in every episode, and then sometimes the other members of what we consider the original crew just weren't in the episodes. And it's like, well, I guess that happens on Voyager, too. 
Yeah. Kes is either not an episode or barely an episode. And Harry Kim. And those are the two ones that I mostly no, notice it happening to. Yeah. I mean, it's understandable sometimes that, like, they just don't have a scene for the doctor or Tuvok or something. So every once in a while you'll get. But with those two, it's, like, pretty, regularly. pretty common, it seems like. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's going on there, but. Yeah. So then we go to the bridge, and Janeway and Chakotay walk up to another alien, and Janeway says, we just got another visitor. We So we see Void, and then we see, we cut to another scene where we see a Voyager crew member gets replaced by the alien group. So now we've seen a pattern, essentially, Voyager crew people are leaving, and these um, aliens with the stupid hats are coming. <laughs> that is their defining trait, is they have mm-hmm. stupid hats. Yeah. And on the bridge, Janeway and Tuvok are working on a solution. They're trying to increase the shield strength. Um, but it's not working and f- on keeping the switches from happening. And then Tuvok disappears. And so Janeway and Chakotay give each other a look. It's all we get to poor Janeway and Chakotay shippers. Because we, the Tom Paris Bonatoris people get all this. And all of Janeway and Chakotay are get a look. Right. And then Janeway kind of... Uh, shoots down Chakotay later and gives him sad puppy dog face. So Yeah. Uh, so we're again in engineering and another Voyager crew gets replaced by an alien. And then we, we click to sick bay where all the aliens are getting rounded up and taken to sick bay to get looked at by the doctor. Which is... um, I don't know. Strange, because nothing really comes of that, right? The fact that they're all getting checked out by the doctor? No, they just put them there, and then they eventually move them to the cargo. Bay. I mean, it makes sense that that's what you would do, but um, mm. but I thought that that was going to go somewhere, and the doctor was going to discover something about them. Yeah. But, no. Mm-mm. In the conference room, Chakotay talks and says, in three hours, and uh, 22 crew members have been replaced. Not displaced. <laughs> and switching places with Nurians. That's what they're called. They're called the Nurians. Yeah. And Tom Paris went over the star charts with Damar. That was the name of the first one. The first guy that showed up. Yeah, he's like the leader, but I will probably never use his name again. So. <laughs> Why? Well, in, in, out of respect for you, then I won't either. <laughs> the leader claims he doesn't know this part of space. Um, his colony could be a thousand or thousands of light years away. And then he goes and stands away from Tuvok. Shikote asks Torres what might be causing these transfers. And Torres isn't sure. And then she goes, um, kind of across the room and stands by Tom Paris next to one of the screens. And Tom Ferris is still has this look on his face like he's still upset with her. But he's still mad at her. About their earlier argument. And then she's talking about the Polaron particles. And um, pulses up the screen to talk about spatial distortion fields. She pulls up the screen. <laughs> oh, is that okay? We're using, we're using uh, Angelina's notes today, so... <laughs> I was like, that's a pretty cool description of it, actually, yeah. Um, um, but honestly, uh, I think I've seen, or I saw this part twice, and both times I didn't know what they were talking about, because you're just watching the Paul actors. Paris? Yeah. yeah, because 
Because so Tom Ferris is standing with his arms crossed. Well, he he first first she steps next to him and he steps away. Yeah, like, not like overly, but he steps away. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that she's off. She's thrown off by it, and like he's like he's like walling her. He's yeah. like refusing to look at her. Yeah. Anything. And then then he crosses his arms. Yes. So then she crosses her arms. And then he puts his arms down. He crosses his arms down like a petty bitch. Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, why are you being so petty and bitchy, Tom Paris? It's amazing. It really was funny. I mean, it was, like, good acting. You can imagine that they had a good time, you know, choreographing <laughs> that. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and whatever they were talking about was, yeah, spatial distortion fields. And- yeah, so essentially it could be a, like a wormhole or a subspace flow oh. field, but also it has like uh, characteristics of like the transporter. Yeah, exactly. Was this where they thought they might have got hooked on a wormhole or something? No, or that's that- later. Oh, that's okay, later. okay. Um, so Torres... Uh, but talk- the that, that little routine that they did is the best thing I've seen all season. <laughs> the best thing I've seen all season. It is like amazing i still say tom paris and neelix uh talking about tom paris not having any rations was was my favorite but i think this might be second well and what i've also realized is that the actor who plays tom paris and the actress who plays bona torres they're both really good at typically pulling focus so Mm -hmm. like like the doctor will be talking about something and Blanc Torres is just sitting in a chair and she rolls her eyes. So if you're looking at Blanc Torres, you see her to say, but you could also never, ever see her do that. So they're really good at acting in the background, mm-hmm. like staying in character essentially and really acting out what their characters would do in the background. So then to see something like this magnificence come up, it's really great. Where they were both... Basically doing that, so doing the little things that you wouldn't notice, but now they're both doing them at the same time. Yes. So you kind of are noticing them. Yeah. Yeah. No, it yeah. was that was, was funny. Great. And um, so Torres talks about a naturally occurring wormhole or a subspace flow field, and she also talks about Voyager's transporters. So that could be like a man-made cause. And Janeway and Chakotay notice the um, offness with Torres and Tom, but they don't say anything. Yeah, and I especially talent. noticed it with Chakotay, yeah, because like, <laughs> he was like, oh no, I'm having another HR problem here. <laughs> yeah, they're both like looking at them, and they, it's funny their expressions, like, we need to get this how to handle, but they're also like, something's going on over here. <laughs> oh, these crazy kids. It was great. Yeah. It was great. Janeway um, wants everyone to get back to their stations, but she's also getting smart and wants security detail, not just in the cargo bay, but uh, anywhere that they're putting the aliens at every access point. And then Chakotay, he wants to keep acting the way he used to act with unknown alien races, uh, stating that they didn't do anything wrong yet. Um, but Janeway's not having it. and She's, she's grizzled and she trusts no one. <laughs> And she doesn't care how they seem. Uh, what she knows is the whole crew is getting slowly replaced and she doesn't trust them. And it's all wrong and she can smell it isn't right. And she says, I'm like, it's gotta, it gives me a knot in my stomach. Yeah. And it should give you all a, a knot, knot in your, your stomach, stomach too yeah. because we figured out that people are disappearing every 9 minutes and 20 seconds. And that means that in 18 hours, everyone, uh, all of the Voyager crew members will be gone. And I, I like that uh, they played those two off of each other. And Chakotay was the 
understanding or the yeah. trying to be understanding. Well, I think he's really, really himself like the mediator. Like, yeah. He's that's... like, he's felt himself. He got through the mediation with blood fever. Oh, yeah. And, and then with the um, last uh, episode. Yeah, which it wasn't super successful, but they didn't die in Distant mm-hmm. Origin. So, yeah. And it, so it's, it's like true to his character. But Janeway, I feel like, is... Um, I don't know if it's true to her character or not, but it's understandable that at this point, it's like, we can't take any chances. Oh, they've been fucked around so much by so many different alien they got, races. Like, yeah, they not got that, their whole but... ship captured last time. And... Yeah, but and also, like, I feel like they're getting more and more powerful. They're coming up against more and more powerful beings. Mm-hmm. And that's that's got to be pretty terrifying if you're a Voyager, too. And, and like, Janeway. I don't want to see her get, like, too militaristic or... Yeah heartless or anything but at the same time you can kind of understand where she's coming from for sure and like spoiler alert she's right yeah <laughs> exactly <this> way. <laughs> but it's funny because they linger on chakotay mm-hmm. at the end he's, he's like, like oh <laughs> uh, we, we did not share the same view on letting these people just run roughshod <laughs> all over all the over ship sh- yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, so then we get a, the Voyager space view, and Janeway's uh, log says they have 12 hours have gone by, and over half their crew is gone, and they still have no idea what is actually happening. We see the cargo bay where the Nurians are getting sent to, um, and so they're kind of all... It reminded me a little bit of the TNG episode with the Irish planet yes only yes, these yes. people are not nearly as cute or amusing or humorous yeah or uh, drunk yeah and that's true and then we get the hallway walk and talk but this time chakotay janeway style and um janeway wants to try to keep an eye on the incoming nirians and they need to reassign more crew members to security since the crew is getting thin and they have to shut down everything but essential operations and they are really heading towards a skeleton crew at this point. So you can see how dire everything is. Like, yeah, Voyager's getting replaced. <laughs> it's, it's ramping up the tension. Mm-hmm. In engineering, uh, Chakotay and Janeway end up there and they walk uh, uh, up to Torres and to see what her new theory is. And she talks about uh, what a Nerian phys- astrophysicist told her about some strange graviton fluctuations. She found the same thing around Voyager. The Nurians are trying to make it seem like a wormhole that is attached to Voyager and the Nurians' home planet opened up, but this is a lie. Mm-hmm. And however, they don't know that yet and um, um, they want the Nurian scientists to come back to engineering to help uh, Torres. And this is where they talk about how like Voyager snagged a wormhole and took it with them. Right, yeah, which I was like, snagged a wormhole? Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, it's a cool concept, but uh, I didn't know that could happen. You pick up the things in space. Janeway comes to Neelix to find, uh, the guy's name is what, Rislin? Rislin, Rislin? Yeah, the, the scientist, the astrophysicist. Uh, okay. Yeah. We'll just call him the scientist. Yeah, we'll just call him the scientist. The leader and the scientist. Um... 
But then Janeway disappears before she can finish, and now Chakotay is in charge. <laughs> yeah. And he leaves Torres by telling her to do what she has to do to get answers. So we're in the cargo bay, and Elix is in the cargo bay looking for the Riz- for Rizland, and he find or the scientist, and he <laughs> finds him to let him know to go to engineering. And this again is where the scientist really emphasizes that they need a hot and arid and dark. They're like me, <laughs> and all desert folks. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> But then they wear so much clothes. Ah, I like to, I liken it to like how like sometimes like um this is interesting, but when you work out in the fields, uh you wear like lightweight, oh, um, long sleeved mm-hmm. clothes, um, so that is hot, but um you still need to sw- so like when you're hot and you sweat and you're wearing these like long clothes, um when the wind blows it it cools you down. Right. Yeah, that's true. And uh, so might be, I, people I, I like, in, like to that. Uh, yeah. yeah, and like the deserts in the Middle East have known that for a long time, I guess, too. Mm-hmm. But they, they seem so like, uh, they seem like wool, Heavy cloth. Almost. Yeah, they yeah. do seem heavy cloth, but it's like, meh. They can't be trusted, even their clothing. That's why Janeway smelled a rat. <laughs> on the bridge, Chakotay is left with one other person on an empty bridge. Uh, I can't remember what her name was. Um, she's a security officer, right? Yeah. She's an ensign. Yeah. And were you convinced? I or I don't want to speak for you, but she was a terrible actress. Well, code for that is that she's a producer's <laughs> niece. <laughs> she's someone because uh, she cannot act. She should not have gone to speaking. Role. Yeah. So oh. she's she's the niece of some associate producer, or executive producer, or something. Um, because she gets a lot of lines too. She yeah. reminds me of Durst. Yeah, but Durst could act. But well, Durst was a pretty good actor. Yeah, but it's just like, why is this person? All of a sudden, getting all these lines, lines and then it's like, is she gonna die or is she gonna get her face donated to a, v- a Vidian? Yeah, and none of those things happen. But anyway, she's in this episode quite a bit. Um, uh, the ship seems to be malfunctioning, but the crew can't spare anyone at this point. And he asks the ensign, uh, Chakotay asks the ensign how she likes her first day as chief of security, and she snarkily answers back, "It's everything she ever dreamed of." And then he jokes back about um, how who says there's no room for advancement, and he just did it, and is it is like really like calming, it's charming so cute. way. Is that mm-hmm. cute? And I was like, like, I will say that like I remember uh, I worked at one job, and there was like the general manager who you know basically was there all the time, and then there was the assistant general manager, and. Both of them basically got the job done. Like, you weren't going to get away with anything when the assistant general manager was in charge. But you just liked those days better. Like, you just had, like, a different attitude and a different demeanor. And I feel like the way Janeway is lately and then the way Chakotay is lately, it's like, again, the ship's going to run well if Chakotay's in charge. But you just like you. It'd be better to have Chakotay in charge. Yeah, he's also <laughs> stressed out. Yeah, yeah. He just brings a a, a warm glow. Um, well, I will say this about Chakotay. I appreciate this cute moment with this incident. Since the last time we saw him interact with an unknown incident, he was a real bad. That's true. Too. That's true. <laughs> yeah. In contrast to my. <laughs> 
my analogy of the general manager in the super show. Yeah, that time, and then and then she died. Maybe he yeah. learned his lesson. Don't be a dick to these people because they might die like the next moment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Head cannon, anyway. <laughs> um, then Neelix is the next one to disappear, and Voyager's down to forty people. Chicote starts trying to put in control so that the Nurians cannot take over, uh, such as voice uh, imprints and sealing the ship off, putting force fields around sensitive areas. Um, he hopes he's being paranoid, but we know that he probably isn't. Yeah. Then we go to engineering, and Belana and Rizland are working on the problem, and I put the problem in qu- quotation marks mm-hmm. because he, he, he is knows sad. it's not a problem. He is not a problem. It's <laughs> and he's sabotaging Belana from finding anything out. She wants to run a pattern analysis, and the moment she realizes it's not a natural phenomenon, that's when Rizland shows his hand. And he punches the only other crew member that's on engineering besides Belana, and then he puts Belana at the front of the line because now she knows the Nereans are behind this. And then so she disappears, mm-hmm. and then uh, the first thing that she sees wherever she reappears, like we get her point of view. And we see Tom Paris standing there. I know. It's like, hello, handsome. Yeah. And it's hilarious the way he looks like it's like, like oh, great. Like She's here now. But no, it's no. Like, so she looks over and he looks like a handsome romance novel person. <laughs> like, it's just the one of the more flattering. It's almost like he does a turn. Like mm-hmm. He did, yeah. Because yeah. he's just standing there looking out into the distance and then he turns. Yeah. He looks at her and, oh, here's your prince. Like, you know, it's like that gives the connotation of it. But I didn't think he was, he didn't seem so happy to be here, or, you know, to see her. Yeah, well, he's still pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's still being a petty bitch, as yeah, you say. Really is, yeah. <laughs> and um, so then it goes from Belana's point of view to like everyone's, the audience's point of yeah, view. Yeah, and we and we can see this whole area that we're calling their prison area because that's what it ends up being. Yeah. And um, there's Harry Kim making a making his short appearance in With the episode, Cass. and Cass as well. Cass. I think Cass even maybe had a line at this point. Pretty good. Um, and that's all that we'll see of them. <laughs> They're not really part of this episode anymore. Torres looks around the area and then Janeway touches her arm. And Janeway asks if Torres is all right. Uh, she wants to let Janeway know that the Nereans are behind it all. But everyone already knows, um, since they're essentially the, the Nereans' captives. And two of them show up um, with guns. And it was pretty cool because I didn't... I didn't notice that they didn't have their comm badges on. Like, I didn't notice uh, that Tom Paris didn't have his on. But um, the guards come up to Torres. They take her comm badge, and then they walk off. And so, so far, they don't know what the Nereans want with them. Uh, they give them food and water and medical supplies. That was that was Kess's line right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's out. That's it. <laughs> Done with you. Torres puts it together that this isn't a Nurian colony at all. Uh, it's not warm or dark enough for them. And then Tom Paris can't help himself and he jumps into Torres' theorizing, saying that it's like an idyllic version of Earth. And Tuvok is off investigating to see what he can find out. So yeah. they they haven't quite figured it out yet that it's not just a prison for them. <laughs>
back to Voyager, and Chakotay's on the bridge with the ensign, and they've shut everything down on Voyager. There are 12 crew members left. That's it. And then this is when they finally find the unconscious man in engineering. Uh, Dr. Rosalind is gone, so Chakotay goes to the cargo bay, but they're all gone, and he realizes it was all a ruse, and everyone needs to go and defend the ship from the Nereans, all 12 of them, which is far too late. We see some Nereans coming out of some Jeffrey's tubes, and they're going to start getting the ship to work and taking it over. And the first thing, of course, that they want to do is take control of the weapons. And we're on the bridge, and so um, the Voyager crew is sealing everything and trying to defend the bridge. The Nereans, though, come in mass, and there's so much of them, and so they take down they take down the bridge and engineering. This is the second episode in a row where Voyager just got straight up taken over. Yeah. In the hallway, Chakotay and a random Voyager crew member are uh, are jetting through there. Chakotay realizes that the Nurians are everywhere and they're already decrypting their access codes. So he um, uh, he figures out that they planned everything and they already had information on Voyager before attacking, which is interesting because it's like, how did they get that information and where do they get that information well, just they were so overpowered they we got they got it through like you know space or just, whatever yeah the, yeah the technology just, yeah some kind of like sensors and stuff mm. um then that crew member just disappears <laughs> and it's just Chakotay now uh and one other guy um so now Chakotay aims to misbehave they're gonna sabotage everything they possibly can and that's what he tells that crew member, because now it's just the two of them on the whole ship, See? right? Just yeah. him and this other guy. And so he tells the other guy, just break everything that you can break. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty cool. Yes. And I think, like, realistic, too. Yeah, that's, like, what, that's what you would do. Yeah. Uh, we're on the bridge, and Nereans are in control, and they were able to shut off all their security measures. And they're getting full computer access soon. The only thing that they cannot do is get their navigational under control um, and the, because those aren't working. And they realize that there are two humans left causing damage throughout the area. So they're going after them. Chicote is uh, sabotaging everything he can. And Anirians go looking for him. That's pretty cool. Did they do kind of like a montage almost? Yeah, like a montage of going places. Uh, pulling wires out of the wall. Yeah, and, and, and also them coming across and him phasering them. But then yeah, that's right. Still. In the hallway, yeah. And then he runs off. Yeah, it's really cool. And they give chase, and so he hides. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, the other Voyager crew member was able to take down the power systems, and they managed, they managed to shut down the anti-power reflector. And then Chakotay is moving through the Jeffrey's tubes as people are looking for him. Still shutting things down. Uh, he figures out that they're trying to get rid of the doctor. Yeah. And he realizes that he's the only one, um, the only crew member left. The other guy's not responding anymore either. So it's just him now. Yeah. So he's got to go save the doctor. Because otherwise, like, they, when they go shut down the doctor, like, he might not be able to be recovered. Yeah. And they don't have much time left because the the because uh, Chakotay's the last one left, so you figure he's got nine minutes. No, but he asked the computer when the last person left was, and it was seven minutes. Oh ago. yeah, that's right. So he's got, like two minutes. To yeah, get and we're on the bridge, and the Narians have located him, and they're sending a patrol to stop him. Chakotay downloads the doctor into his mobile emitter, and then he disappears as well. And then this is what yeah. we were talking about. So now the doctor's down, um, on the. Well, in the, the prison, prison, we'll call it, yeah. Um, 
But they don't, the, the Nerians don't know it. No. Um, so we go to the prison area. And so now Balana is working on the doctor. And the doctor's worried because he's never been cut off from the ship. And also, you don't realize the the uh, emitter is obviously has to run on some kind of power supply and it's mobile. And he's like, well, what happens if the mobile emitter runs out of uh, power? And they're like, well, let's hope it doesn't lose battery. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple <laughs> of things like that where they mention things having low power, like some phasers later on also yeah. have low power. And it's like not something you ever really think about on Star Trek. Right. But it's pretty cool that they're able to bring that in as a complication we don't normally see yeah so then elsewhere in the prison tuvok tuvok is back from his uh, investigation and he says there are 10 compounds exactly like this one that the crew is in um everything is surrounded by like thick heavy wilderness Mm mm-hmm and so the Nerian leader, the lady leader, comes in, and <laughs> luckily she comes to tell them what exactly is going on. So essentially, the Nerians have stolen Voyager to use it as a defense ship, and their idea, their whole goal is um, colonization, essentially, <laughs> to go and like uh, take as many things as they can. Uh, so this is their mo. They do it to ships, colonies, and space stations. Um, they figured this is, they're, they're doing God's work or whatever because it's painless and there's little death doing it this way. But then they're trapped holding these people forever. And I'm like, at least the Kazons abandoned them on a planet, (laughs) but they just literally travel around the, the, you know, Delta Quadrant taking people from their ship, taking over their ship, but then they have to house these beings forever. You... Are you not in favor of this? Well, it just seems so impractical. And what's the purpose? Like, at least when Rome did it, they, like, integrated them into their um, society. But these people are just, like, traveling around Delta Quadrant with a whole ship full of habitats. Like, they're their, like, pets or something. Every time... Every time you go take on a new colony or a new ship... Like, and there's... there's Like, you could just build your own ships. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, like that seems easier, or like abandon them somewhere. That also seems easier, but like, um, we're gonna see one of the other beings, and he's been there for like 10 years. Yeah, and you're like, you've just been traveling around and like holding people, like, and are they doing scientific experiments on them? Like, no, they're just conquering, but it's like you have to like use them as slaves or like a purpose or something. Well, it's almost like, is there this thing in within their culture that they like having people as prisoners? Yeah, it's bizarre. It's like the ultimate conquest. I can't, I can't appreciate uh your defeat unless i essentially own you or control your life instead of killing you yeah and she says this is their new home forever and you're like what (laughs) and better get used to it and feel lucky that this is their fate yeah what yeah Uh, um, they even downloaded literature and music and they got, they created the food that they would like the best. And you're like, like a pet. Like, I are you watching them? What is the purpose of this? It makes no sense. Like if you're just stealing their ship, this is nonsense. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a, it's a very, um, complicated way of doing it. It seems like, but I mean that like the, on the other hand, it's just, yeah, they could be 
a strangely moral people that can't kill. They can do everything else. But they but still want to conquer. Yeah. That's what's weird. Like, if, usually if you don't want to kill, you don't really want to conquer. Right. You know, you wouldn't have that impulse to conquer or, or the impulse to conquer wouldn't. Yeah, I can't see somebody who values life but wants to conquer um, other places yeah. being the same person. If they had said something like, we want to conquer other lands because we will give them a better life. Like, if they had this really sort of, um, like, narcissistic view of the galaxy and it's like we we are, we have the best ways and we want to spread our ways to everyone else yeah and this is how we do it and one of our ways is to not kill and we're very like benevolent but really you're not you're like yeah yeah that you're you're taking over people's lives then i can sort of see it but we never get any motivation for why they conquer they just do they're yeah. just spreading this is their it. Yeah, well, they, they wanted their yeah. ship, and you're like, well, that seems crazy to me. But yeah, you're right. Um, so then it's like, now you're going to keep these people forever? You don't even know when some of these, like, you got to, like, house Tuvok for, I mean, what if they breed your prisoners? Yeah, and then you, And then, like, Tuvok is going to live, like, a couple hundred years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's like they didn't think this through, all the way through. But, um... Janeway, the Nirans say that there is no escape and the crew of Voyager is trapped here, so they just better get used to it. And then Janeway puts all her cards on the table and says, well, we will find a way out. And you're like, why don't you just keep that to yourself, Janeway? <laughs> like, I would have just listened and been like, mm. but she's like, no, you will regret this and I will leave. And you're like, now they know to watch you extra hard. Yeah. You know? Like, oh, no, they're a fighter. <laughs> um, so then the Nirians leave the Voyager crew where they're at and then Tuvok and Janeway and Chakotay are talking. Uh, Tuvok encountered natural barrier all around them. It's like perfectly isolated and it seems pretty artificial. So Janeway thinks it could just probably be all holographic. Because <laughs> all their problems stem from holograms. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, they get it interrupted by a character named Jarleth. Yeah. He's like this... a lizard looking mm -hmm. I actually thought his makeup was really cool too. Yeah, I was like, why didn't all of the Nerians, <laughs> like, they could have done that, but they yeah. made the Nerians humans. Yeah, like, you just get this one guy to sit in the chair for 10 hours yeah. instead of all those people, I guess. All those people just have to get fitted for a funny hat. Yeah, that's true. So he, but yeah, he comes through um, uh, these bushes, kind of like out of a portal. Yeah. And he says he's their neighbor. Uh, his people live in the other environment in another portal. And his story is the same as Voyager. His people have been trapped ever since the Nurians came along and switched them out. Um, and then he's really into Voyager's food. And he wants to trade things with the Voyager crew to get their food. Um, and then that's when you hear that the people before uh, Voyager's crew died of a plague and so then it's like the nurians don't really care enough to i mean like what happened there you know what i mean yeah i don't want to say that they caused the plague like because otherwise why didn't you just kill the people on the spot whenever you took whatever you took from them yeah so i do believe like that they say what they say that they when they put you in the prison like you're meant to live there forever but then you're not doing anything to prevent or treat, like, these outbreaks. Right. And then people just die. <laughs> like and They're like, oh, good. Now we can go find another group of people to put yeah, in. Yeah. So 
that's that's strange, but um, I mean it's strange of the Nurians. I'm not. It's that's that's not a criticism of the writing. It just shows mm-hmm. that like they probably are like really weird, crappy people yeah. <laughs> who think that they're doing something good. Yes. Um, the force field around them is all camouflage. It took Jarlith nine years to find the portal that he came to to this area in. And Janeway's intrigued by this portal, and, and um, she's willing to trade their food for information to find a portal in their section. I guess thinking that that could be their way to escape. Yeah. Yeah. But if the Nurians put the portal in, then hopefully they wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't lead to an escape. Um, so now it's nighttime in the prison area, and Bologna is working on the doctor. This time they're trying to find the they're trying to get him to find the portal. So I, I they similar to how Jordy can see. Mm-hmm. They're programming the doctor to do that. Yeah, it's like infrared and yeah. things like that. So Tom Paris comes up for an update. Comes by for an update on on Janeway's orders, and he makes sure to says that Janeway wants to know how the doctor is doing. Yeah. It's so funny. So Valana gives the update and then uses this time to apologize to Tom Paris because she loves him. It looks like things are gonna go pretty good, and they're gonna be back on the same page. Yeah, she says she's uh, was oversensitive about the Klingon program. And Tom Paris accepts it, and all is good for the Torres-Paris pairing. The doctor is ready, and they will start, but before that happens, Paris says he didn't mean to push Bellana. But that's what he does. He pushes. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. well, you didn't mean to, but you did. And Bellana says she didn't mean to lash out. And then the doctor yeah. ruins it by trying to be the ship counselor. It's like, you're not the ship's counselor, you're the doctor, <laughs> not a therapist. But it was almost even like he just made this observation like this third party observation to himself almost (laughs) right yeah and he says Blada uses her aggression as a shield to a perceived emotional threat and then Tom Paris has to go get all high and mighty and agreeing with the doctor in this smug way and you're like Tom Paris what are you doing and then Tora is being the hostile person that she is (laughs) yeah um She's finally like done being like nice about or like apologizing or being like the person who's like I'm sorry. And she's like, "What about you? You?" She's like, "That's a that's pretty rich coming from you, Tom Paris." <laughs> so then, um, Blana brings up Tom Paris's defense mechanism, which is passive aggressiveness. <laughs> How he pretends nothing bothers him and he turns everything into a joke. But it's not. And the doctor agrees with Falana Torres. You're like, no. Both are like super on edge. And Tom Paris, who I will say is the bossiest man alive, tries to talk about how he is so easygoing. You know, I'm like, I would classify you as a lot of things, but easygoing is not one of them. You cannot be easygoing and the bossy friend. Just because he spends all his time in a holographic pool hall doesn't mean he's easygoing. Exactly. There's a reason why Harry Kim is your best friend. <laughs> Harry Kim probably the more easygoing man. Yeah, like, strangely really enough. About it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like Tom Paris can't handle it anymore, and he lashes out at Bellana, saying he's trying to be Bellana's friend, even though she is terrified about having a friend. And you're like, oh. And I mean, come on, Cutting friend. to the quick. Friend, really? They, I know. They, they, they use this word friend. They're like, okay. 
<laughs> so, like, what is she really terrified of? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, come on. And then the doctor talks about how fear of intimacy is a common indication of low self-esteem. <laughs> and I don't know if he's talking about Tom Paris or Bellatoris, but Tom Paris, who has low self-esteem, is, like, at that point, completely done. He's like, I'll show you low self-esteem. <laughs> and he says... Um, because uh, Belana shuts the doctor down and gets close to Tom's face and tells yeah, him. Yeah, literally shuts his voice off. Yeah, she like, she him. hits, like, a couple of buttons on his mobile emitter and like, it turns his voice off. She's like, There's, this is a fight between two people, not three people. Yeah. The doctor's the one that started two it. Two people in <laughs> one solid light form. And uh, she tells him that if he finds it so difficult to be her friend, she doesn't know why he keeps trying. And at this point, Tom Terrace is done. He's done wasting his time. That's what he says. He's like, yeah. I'm done wasting my time. So he takes his ball and he's leaving. <laughs> and, uh, but Lana Torres is left with the doctor who's mad that she turned his voice off. So honestly, whose side would you take in this argument? Well, here's the thing. It's hard because, um, Tom Paris, um, he keeps pushing, like, about her Klingon self. And he doesn't know how to do it. He hasn't yet learned how to do it properly. And it's like, to him, it was just an exercise program. To her, it was all of her issues rolled into, um, all of, like, living, being a Klingon, living with humans, like, half Klingon, living with humans. Like, it's a whole lot of trauma that he's not, like, cognizant of, you know? Yeah. Um, so he pushes her in this way. However, I mean, it's time for Tom Paris to stand up and, like, stand up for himself because Belana Torres does, on the regular, kind of treat him, like, not necessarily bad, but, like, not good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so uh, Tom Paris pursues, Tom Paris pursues, Tom Paris pursues, and, like, she is hostile, and she can be angry, and, like... She's a prickly, she's a little prickly, like, um, she's prickly, like a cactus. Definitely. And he's gotten stung one too many times. Like, he also can lose his temper. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, like, he was, like, he he's, like, I just, he's tired of, like, you can't always be putting, like, the friendship branch out there and getting, like, angry responses back to you right it only can happen so many times before you're like i'm done with this and again like he's trying to treat her like harry kim um but harry kim is his friend his actual friend and like tom paris is someone or but tom Torres is someone he's interested in so trying to get her to like overstep and like to grow in these ways like that he's not prepared to help her with you know what i mean or doesn't know how to help her with it's complicated because he just kind of stepped all over her cultural problems you That's, know what I mean? Yeah. But he didn't realize it and like but Belana reacted, but she so if if this was just her reacting to that, that's one thing. But the problem is, is that she's kind of aggressive and kind of mean to him and not the most reciprocal it doesn't quite reciprocate in right. the way that, um like the rest of the time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like so in this fight, I think Tom Paris is wrong. Like or he doesn't know what to how he's doing it. He didn't understand. Like there's you need to like a lot more time to start dealing with people's issues. <laughs> oh yeah. Or don't even deal with their issues like yeah. be their like 
be their friend. He's trying to cure her, quote-unquote, or whatever. But really, she might just need someone to be an understanding ear. Yeah. If even that. Yeah, because she's not bringing up her issues to him. Because it's like, do you like her, or do you like what you think she could be? Right. You know? Yeah. And it's like... If you like her, then drop the Klingon stuff and just figure out what she likes to do and then try to do those things with her, whatever those things are. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, oh, I see. I I can fix you almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't need it. Maybe, well, maybe she does need it, but she doesn't want it right now. No. And he's not the one to be fixing anybody. He's pretty damn broken himself. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, um, and so, and again, like, Tom Paris can dish it out, but can he take it? Like, he's over Mm -hmm. here like, oh, you know, yeah, you're aggressive and you're hostile and you need to change all these things. And then Bellatore's like, well, you're not easygoing. Like, go fuck off. Like, you, I have defense mechanisms, you have defense mechanisms. And they're the opposite opposite defense defense mechanisms. mechanisms. And that's where they clash in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and then the doctor, I think he wouldn't have been so blow up about it if the doctor hadn't been there egging everything on. Oh, yeah, no. low self-esteem. They were fine. The doctor is totally to blame. Oh, well, no, no. (laughs) No, Paris is to blame because, well, yeah, they weren't like, but in that moment, they could have like, gone on and they apologized yeah. and all that stuff yeah um but, but Paris I, didn't have to say what he said like yeah. again he has to be more cognizant of her feelings yeah that's why I say like I know it's like a loaded word to say she's sensitive but she is sensitive I think when you say she's prickly that's a better description yeah he has to understand that about her and then keep yeah. your mouth shut sometimes yeah but also I think it was time for him to kind of I, I do think it was time for him to stand up for himself. Mm. So he wasn't a dorm. He's not a doormat in their relationship. Yeah. So like this needed to happen. I don't necessarily think that Tom Paris in this instant was right. Like in the whole situation, I do think it was him just kind of trampling all over something that he doesn't quite understand. Right. Um, the extent of, or like, you know, understand at all. Like you don't understand being a half Klingon, half human. Like he just doesn't. Right. Um, or like her background or growing up in, you know, essentially a racist society against Klingons, you know, you just don't understand it. So like, you can't speak to it, guy. No. <laughs> you know, it's like what, what she it, needs to do. It's one of those things. Um, however, I, I give him a pass and, um, I understand where he's coming from and, in the end, I'd like, it, it seems more, at the end of this, it seems more like a balanced, a balanced, will be a ba- more balanced than it was before, because he did stand up for himself. At the end of this episode? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. yeah. So, so, like, he didn't have, I don't think he had, like, the high ground to do it, but it needed to happen. Whether it was this awkward moment or some other awkward moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But also, I did not know that his response to it is to be petty, <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah. Like, watching him take his ball and leave was hilarious. Right. Yet another. <laughs> but also, he would take his ball and leave because he is the bossy friend. And I've always had the bossy friend. And they always did take their ball and leave. And you're like, well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Paris is just brimming with good traits. 
<laughs> I can see why you like him. <laughs> Elsewhere, Tuvok is working on creating some weapons, and Chakotay's there with him. Oh, so we went from this awkward um, interaction mm-hmm. to this awkward oh, yeah, interaction. Definitely. I was like, why is this in here? Like, just to show, like, that Chakotay and Tuvok still don't like each other? Yeah. Like, it's hilarious. It's... Oh, I wouldn't even be surprised to find out that it's another one of those cases where this, the episode was five minutes too short, and they this in there later i mean i don't know that's true but like that sometimes happens on these shows you know and yeah. it's like this because it says no bearing on anything else like whatsoever uh-uh. that's gonna be i'll talk about that at the end like some of the choices in this episode and some of the like pacing maybe that you yeah. call it so um so while chicote and tuvark are sitting there together neelix comes in with some power relay circuits out of the food dispenser so they're kind of like it, I'm I'm seeing it as like they're all in prison essentially working mm-hmm. on like a prison break, yeah. Which is kind of funny because wasn't uh, I never watched it, but wasn't Kate Mulgrew in Orange Is the New Black? I think so. You can tell I have no idea because my voice went up like six <laughs> octaves just right there. <laughs> when my voice does that, that's that's an invitation for you to email us to, to, to let me know if I'm wrong. <laughs> But I thought she was. I'm pretty sure. I yeah. Think so. so here she was auditioning for that <laughs> 15 years before. Um, but anyway, yeah. So they're kind of like doing like a prison break sort of a situation. Um, scavenging for food or from their food and from their shower. And yeah, you point out here. <laughs> good, good thinking that like. So now you can't um, replicate food. Yeah, you can't food. And then Neelix is going to take more relays from the shower. So, yeah. You won't be able to eat or shower. That seems like a good plan. I wonder how the plague started and the last people. <laughs> <laughs> they're all dirty and then they had no food. And Chicote's uh, genuinely impressed with Tuvok's ability to make weapons out of anything. And then he gives him like a backhanded compliment by saying he didn't know Vulcans had a knack for improvising. And Chicote reminisces about the survival class that he had to go through at the academy. And then Tuvok, basically, I thought it was like a, he was like a one-upper, yeah. sort of. Because he's like, oh yeah, that, that academy class was okay or whatever. But I had already sort of, that wasn't much of a challenge for me because I had already done the rite of, of Taloth or whatever it was called. Yeah. Um, some Vulcan ritual, and he had to survive for four months in the desert. So <laughs> the academy thing was like a fun little vacation for him. Um, uh, Chicote gives him like this "fuck you" look. <laughs> like the way that only Chicote can, where like he did it with a. With like a warm smile, but yeah. we, you and I both recognized it as like fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, because he was like, he's like when Neelix, when Neelix brings me more of the um, technologies, like I will improvise another weapon. Yeah, <laughs> like Chicote's like, like yeah. Why <laughs> am I talking to you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna stop now. <laughs> no, but yeah, and then that has basically no bearing on the rest of the episode. <laughs> no, I was just there for us to laugh at the Chicote Chubak awkwardness. <laughs> 
Um, so now it's daytime in the prison, and Belana is following the doctor around as he looks for portals. And Janeway's with Jarleth as he talks. Um, he wants Janeway to just stop searching for a way out and just accept their fate. And you're like, wow, you've been here for so long. Like, they're not there yet. <laughs> no. They, he points out that they are a, a species with no spine. <laughs> We're known as a creature who can walk upright without a backbone. <laughs> no, he didn't actually say that. No, but he is a coward. Um, yeah. They get interrupted by Bellana and the doctor because they found something. And Jarlis gets his little, um, his little, like his beaming to like show what a port if a portal's there and he beams in the area the doctor tells him to and they see the door and the doctor goes back to what he does best his medical <laughs> yeah but i did like that he compared himself to a tricorder <laughs> like i'll have a future career as a tricorder <laughs> so that door opens tuvok janeway torres and paris and jarlis go in i'm like what happened to harry <laughs> kim he wasn't in the conference room and he's not here. You're like, do you have another what job? Are you doing? <laughs> Did he have some other job? Like, is there another show that Harry Kim was on and Kess also? Yeah. Oh. Um. So when they go through that door, it looks like it's like the corridor of a ship that they go to, and Tuvok and Janeway go one way, and then uh, Paris and Torres they take the other side. And they'll meet back in twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. So we're in the first quarter, and it's Tom, Bellana, and Jareth. And Jareth is scared. Wait, what's his name? Is his name Jareth or Jarleth? Oh, Jarleth. You're right. We call him lizard, lizard Man. It's Jarleth, yeah. Oh. Jarleth is scared. Tom Paris can't help but call out to Bellana when he sees something. So he's not talking to her, and he's mad at her. He's being all pissy, but he can't help himself. He's like, Bellana, come here. Like, why'd you even go together? <laughs> I know. Um. Because he sees something, so she goes to him, and he presses a door, and they see it's a habitat area similar to a jungle. So Belinda go- and then Belana goes to another one and opens the door, and it's like a swampy desert-like habitat, and they call it the self-contained biospheres, and they are all different. So they're literally on the ship with all of these self-contained biospheres, mm-hmm, and all these like, different environments. It's a pretty cool, it's a cool idea. concept. Yeah, yeah, a whole ship that does this. But again, you set this up so that you could go conquer all these things and not kill the people you conquer, <laughs> but also not use them for but anything. Carry them around, yeah, them around the universe. It's yeah, very weird. Yeah. And then in the other corridor, it's Janeway and Tuvok, and Janeway finds a control station. She's trying to bring up information, but she can't understand it. This was I thought was was really clever. Um, so literally, like, she can't decipher the, the symbols, the yeah. language, the written language. So Tuvok says to try and tap into Voyager's translation algorithm because They've he knew that everything. they had it because the Nurians had taken uh, um, Voyager's data. And then that's mm-hmm. how they were able to give their prisoners, like, music and books and things. So yeah. Tuvok knows that the Nurians know Voyager's language, so they should be able to use the translator. I thought that was, like, really clever. Um, And um, so now Janeway can read their information. And she finds uh, Voyager's habitat and then 148 of the crew members, right? Yeah. Um, But they haven't detected them leaving yet, the the ones who escaped into that portal. Mm -hmm. Janeway finds out that there are 94 different habitats. Uh, holding thousands of beings. Yeah, so it just seems like crazy. 
Tuvok was able to bypass their security codes, and Janeway realizes that they're actually on a ship. So it kind of it reminded me of the shoot, the episode yeah. the shoot, and that's like except this time they all got put in the shoot. Yeah, exactly. She tries to access a more extensive command center, but all of a sudden they hear an intruder alert, and so they take off running. So then we go to Voyager, and the Nereans on the Voyager are talking to the Nereans on the ship of the habitats. And uh, Voyager Nereans hear about the unauthorized access of the terminals, and um, that they that Jane, like that some of them have escaped their habitat, and they are given permission to use force. And then uh, the Voyager Nereans are still trying to get Warp back online. See, so that them giving permission to use force, you know, continues that idea that they are nonviolent. Yeah. Typically. In the first corridor, Jarlath is being cowardly, but uh, Paris and Torres move on. And Jarlath gets taken back to his habitat after he rats Torres and uh, Tom Paris out to some of the to some of the Nereans. Uh, in the second quarter, Tuvok uses the Vulcan nerve pinch, which is very cool. And then Tuvok takes the little information machine and finds out that Jarlath got put back into his environment. And Janeway finds the translocator to the Nereans that the Nereans had used on uh, Voyager. Um, but Janeway's trying to figure out how to how to essentially get them back onto Voyager using the translocator. Which is what we would call a transporter, I yeah, guess. Yeah. yeah. So Voyager's making its way back to the habitat ship. And they get an audio-only um, message. They let the Voyager uh, Nurians know that they have accessed the control panel and have weapons. So Janeway and Tuvok have weapons. Yeah. yeah. They need backup. And then um, who's on the way to them now? The Voyager Nurians. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because because the the leader and the scientist are basically the ones on the bridge now, right? Yeah. 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 So we're in the first quarter, and Tom and Bellana are getting chased by the Nereans. They need to hide in a habitat, and Bellana found a cold one. It's all ice and snow, and it gives me like flashbacks to Minnesota. It was like terrible. <laughs> um, but since Bellana knows that they are desert creatures, and so would not want to go into the Arctic, so Bellana and Tom run in, and Nereans are forced to go after them. Which is again pretty clever. Yeah. Janeway and Tuvok um, find a translocator which has a long range, 10 light years. Janeway's trying to get the translocator operative, but she's going to have to work on it. And that would be pretty cool if they can somehow use that to try to get them home, maybe? Well, that's what they would. Oh, they didn't even think about that. Home, yeah. home, yeah. No, respect to Voyager. <laughs> They're going to forget that they even have this. Um, because they, they, the Nerans had to go one by one mm-hmm. because it was so far away. Yeah. So we're in the Arctic habitat and Bellana and Tom are running around and Bellana is instantly regretting this because <laughs> it's so cold. And it's funny because Bellana touches Tom Paris' arm and tells him that his phaser is almost done. Um, so he's phasering out to people and, um, she touches his shoulder and then he looks at her. Because they're um, using the Nurian's phasers, right? No, they're using the ones that, um. Oh, that Tuvok made, yeah. and it, But that was why Torres said that they're not exactly Starfleet issue or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, Um. So he looks at her, and then he shoots the mountain to create a cascade, and then to, so that gets rid of some of the Nerians. And then they keep walking around trying to outlast the Nerians. Um, but they don't want to get too far away from the portal. So Tom says, hey, let's go find some place to hide, and he grabs her shoulder. 
It's very funny. Like, she grabs him. It's funny because he's not touching her, and then she touches his shoulder. So then that gives him permission to touch her shoulder. Oh, it's yeah. Really it's really funny because they're still, like, kind of mad and upset at each other. Like, But I think he does take the lead from her in a lot of ways, just yeah. in general. Yeah. They go and sit and hide, and Belana's looking at the phaser, but she can't hold on to it because her hands are numb. And Tom Paris is there to warm them up. <laughs> wink, wink. They do. They touch hands. Huh? Yeah, he's like over there holding her mm-hmm. hands. And they're so close and he's rubbing her hands. He has both of her hands in his hand. And it's very sexy. <laughs> and then uh, Tom Paris, of course, has to go and be even sexier because he's like, why? He's like, thought you're hot Klingon blood. Why aren't you getting keeping warm? <laughs> you know what? That Tom might Paris have been. His lines. <laughs> I mean, that, that might have been. Pushed me over the edge. You talked about earlier, like, is it like a Klingon fetish that he has? And I was like, no, of course not. But mm, I don't know now. He's bringing it up. <laughs> he keeps bringing it up. Yeah. Um, so maybe. She, yeah. She, Klingon, she tells him that Klingons actually have lower tolerance for cold, much less than humans. And Tom breathes under her hands. And again, it's very sexy. And then Perry says, I thought Cardassians were the ones that were cold. And then Plan's like, uh, Klingons aren't big babies about it. Like the Cardassians <laughs> are. Um, and then the Tom Paris asks if she feels better. And Belana then is able to um, use the homemade phaser. Uh, she gets, she fixes it a little bit. And so uh, lets Tom know that Tom know that there's one more shot in it. And then Anirian finds them. Before he can shoot, he dies of the cold. And another comes out, and Tom sees it. And, of course, he calls out, Belana! She shoots the Nerian um, and makes it. And then Tom tells her, nice shot. And now they can leave because all the Nerians are dead, essentially. <laughs> yeah, they died pretty damn quickly in this cold. So. Horrific. Mm-hmm. Janeway's figured out the basic operation down uh, of this place where they're at. She can't figure out how to lock onto a target, though. Uh, Tuvok's looking, and when they realize where uh, Tom and Bellana are, um, they see that it's minus 20 degrees Celsius. And that how cold is that, Angelina, you former Minnesotan? Uh, for us Americans, it's negative 4 degrees. Yeah. And I say, pshaw. <laughs> It's so much colder in Minnesota. Four de- negative four degrees. Teenagers aren't even wearing sweaters. That weather. Well, the people writing this were in Hollywood, California. And that sounds pretty damn terrible, if you ask me. Yeah. So, um, uh, Janeway knows they have to get them out of there because uh, Torres and Tom Paris will die. And an alarm goes off, and they see a ship coming at high warp, and it's Voyager. Um, so they need to figure it out before the reinforcements come back. So we're back in the Arctic habitat, and Paris and Taurus are wa- walking around, trying to find the portal, of course, and they are lost. They can't find it. But Valana cannot keep moving. She just wants to rest, and Tom needs her to keep moving. She's sleepy. She needs to close her eyes for a bit. You're I like, know, close your eyes. You die forever. Yeah. Tom Paris won't let her. He orders her on her feet, and he literally picks her up. But this isn't the first time he picks. Uh, this is the first time he picks her up. But it's not the last. He's like half dragging her around, mm-hmm. and Belana says he can't give her orders. They're the same race. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom says he's a bridge officer, and therefore he has seniority. And she says by two days. And then it's so funny because he knew bureaucracy was so hot. <laughs> <laughs> 
Tom tells her to take a swing at him, which he knows she's been wanting to do for days. And Belana says that he just wants to get her moving. And then Tom picks her back up and tells her she will keep moving or he will throw her over his shoulder and carry her out like a caveman. <laughs> and she says, yeah, I'd like to see you try that. <laughs> and they're so close and they look they're so like they look like they're going to a kiss. It's super intense. They're like almost cuddled up into each other. And then he grabs her even closer to himself. And at this point, they get translocated back to the Voyager habitat. It's very jarring. And it looks real scandalous. Everyone's like looking like, what the heck's going on over there? And then they separate from each other really quick. It's very funny. They're like, it's very um, awkward. How many times did you watch that scene? Eh, only one time. Oh, no really? Yeah. yeah, tomorrow is another day. Tomorrow is another day. I'll rewatch it. <laughs> I'll just for the Bolan Torres and Tom yeah. <laughs> Was it this? At this point, I was taking the notes, and then my baby was, you had the baby, and the baby was talking, and it was like this scene and the baby talking. I was like oh, overloaded you with were happiness. In heaven, yeah. I was like, oh my God. I'm it might have been. My baby's babbling is so the cutest thing ever. And then this is also the cutest thing ever. You're and getting I, your ship on like, uh, on Voyager. I couldn't help it. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's too much. All we needed was, was uh, Baby Yoda to be in the mix somewhere. <laughs> and then I would have died. <laughs> you would have exploded. Like, I can't. I don't know what else to do. On Voyager, the two Bridgenerians, the leader and the scientist, get transported off. They get replaced off. Uh, and they're in the Arctic habitat. And they're trying to get out. Um, Janeway transports in there, and then she gets all badass. Uh, she lets them know that she's taking control of their translocation system. And then... Um, yeah, you, you rightly have her labeled as evil Janeway here. Oh, it's great. I think she's turned. She if I didn't not if I didn't know any better, I would think like this, this is, is like it. Yeah, and it's like the the um the like de evolution of a Starfleet <laughs> captain, like doing what she has to do, you know? And she's grizzled, she's mm-hmm. gotta make that tough choice. If she needs to, she'll leave all the Nereids there to die a horrible, painful death. It's like no more Voyager endings. <laughs> we We're gonna have lose. the Janeway ending now, and the Janeway ending is where I murder my enemies. <laughs> And I will get my ship to the Alpha Quadrant, and I don't care how many bodies I leave in my wake. <laughs> so, yeah, she says, what happens next depends on the two Nurians. Uh, she tells them to surrender Voyager and release all the prisoners on this ship. Not just Voyagers, but all of them. And they're like, that's unacceptable. Like, they have any uh, I- any room to be, you know, giving uh, demands like that. She says, all right, well, then you guys can stay there and uh, prepare for all of your crew to get translocated to the Arctic habitat. And then they say, well, okay, uh, if we surrender, Janeway says, well, we'll find the um, Nurians a nice warm habitat. And um, basically, you know, they can be prisoners in their own prison. Yeah. And then Voyager's going to contact the native worlds of the existing prisoners and get them back to their homes. Um, once they disable the translocator, they'll let the Nurians out and they're like, damn, this, this sucks. But and they're like, no, they shake their heads. Like, I'm not going to do it. And yeah. Like, well, sorry. I wish you would be reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> there's where Janeway's evil. She says, uh, um, you know, fine. Then I'll just let you hear and you can die. 
And then they're like, okay, okay, fine, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I'm like, I wonder what would happen if they would have been like, no, and they died on the hill. Like, if Jane could have gone through with it. Um, I mean, I feel like she's, I don't know that she's there yet, but it's also only like the end of the third season. And I feel like she's like, that's where she's headed, you know? Yeah. I don't think there's that kind of show necessarily where like, that's the whole idea is like, you know, seventh season Janeway is like so different from first season Janeway. But I just don't think that Star Trek would have any captain do that you no, know and i mean yeah. sometimes the captains get pretty ruthless uh kirk was ruthless at times cisco but i think that's just like that's too much you know yeah but if it was like gritty golden age of television drama <laughs> on amc then that would be the whole point of the show is yeah. that by the end of it janeway is like a cannibal unrecognized yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so then Voyager, we see Voyager going through space and Janeway's log, um, and the Neary, she says the Nerean surrendered Voyager and everyone is safely on board. And then the prisoners on the habitat ship have contacted their worlds and are waiting to get picked up and taken home. <laughs> so happy ending. And then but we can't, end I'll there. give you your happy ending, Angelina. You can describe what we see here. <laughs> well, we end up at the Holodeck Resort, because, of course, that's where Tom's going to spend his free time. <laughs> and Tom is sitting there drinking a drink, and he's enjoying his alone time. And it's like, where the fuck is Harry Kim? Like, hello, Harry Kim? Harry Paris, Kim. Is, Paris, he's got no time for anybody anymore. <laughs> he doesn't even have Ricky with him anymore. Yeah. Well, and she's I, in all his Holodeck and programs. She's in all of, well, this isn't his Holodeck program. That's true. It's, she's not allowed. <laughs> they're like, you know. They, People told him that she's not allowed. They're like, we're tired of Ricky in your weird holodeck program. So Ricky's not allowed program. on the holodeck resort. Holodeck resort is for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> Leave your weird your weird uh, relationships and your own programs. Yeah. And then Belana comes up to him and sits next to him. Um, and then Tom looks over at her, and I really like the way that Tom, again, the actor who plays Tom Paris, he looks, mm-hmm. like, scared. Yeah. And awkward he's and all, tentative. Yeah, he's all, like, clamped up. Yeah, he doesn't know what to do. And then Blana just says, it's funny because Blana refuses to look at him, so she's facing forward. But Tom Paris is, is like, staring at her, and it, <laughs> it's really funny. And Blana just says, nice day. And then Tom Paris breathes like a kind of like a sigh of relief, and he's like, "All right, it yeah. is. It's beautiful." And then Belana Torres just kind of talks around the problem. It becomes double entendre theater. Yeah, yeah. Because she's like, I mean, I guess what are you gonna say? Like, we both have trauma, and I'm sorry that we brought each other's trauma up, <laughs> and like our dysfunctional ways of handling everything. Like, I, I don't know. Like, there's no way to go about that. So she just says things got pretty chilly there for a while. And again, she's still looking ahead, refusing to look at Tom. And then Tom looks at her and thinks, well, this is the only olive branch I'm going to get from her. And so this is it. And so, um, and he says, I guess they were. And then Bellana says, it feels good to be warm again. (laughs) And uh, Tom Paris looks at her and smiles and he just takes it for what it is. Like, that's what it is. This is it. And it's kind of like, kind of like a sad smile at first. But then he realizes, like, this is the best he can hope for. And this is all the resolution they're going to get from their fight. And so um, 
He says, it sure does. And then he stops looking at her and he closes his eyes and he smiles to himself. And then that's when Bellana looks at him and she sees that he smiles and she smiles again and all is well in the Tom Paris and Bellana Torres ship. How many times did you watch that scene? I haven't watched it. I only watched it twice, the two times, Sam. But I will watch it more. <laughs> I like it though. I mean, it's kind of sad, but also I like it. So it's fine. Oh, uh, yeah, they'll be they'll be back to normal the uh, next episode. I guess it's bittersweet, you know? They didn't quite get what they needed from each other, but it was, like, the closest that they could come where, where they were at, you That's know? how you got to do it. That's how and, you got to string it out. Will they, won't they? And that's what I do like about Tom Paris is he's pretty good at, like, taking people where they're at and, like, you know, being okay with it, you know? Yeah. So... He, we've seen it enough times with Harry Kim, you know. Who? With Harry Kim. Harry, is that a character on this show? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently, he had no. fewer lines than that ensign, that security chief lady. I know that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Poor baby. What did you think about this episode, Sam? Eh, I guess I said I was going to talk about the pacing issues, or just the pacing, which is an issue. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? I think I both times we watched it, I was, it felt like strangely long to me. And I think our podcast is going to end up being strangely long, too. Like, is this, this is just an hour-long episode, right? Yeah. A Voyager, the problem I mean. is, is that um, it, it so much of it. Okay, so so much of it took so long um, figuring out the mystery of what was yeah. happening, and then like there are numerous scenes. So it was like so uh, numerous scenes of the crew leaving them trying to figure this out. Oh, it's subterfuge. Oh, Chakotay's now going to go and sabotage the ship and save the doctor. Like, that's that could be a whole episode itself. But yeah. it wasn't. And But it was oddly long. It mm-hmm. was funny because it could have been spread out and been a whole episode. But the way they did it, it felt very long for what it, it was. It was like that. I'd have to, yeah, I'd like to see, like, the times on it, I guess, or something. Because, yeah, that felt like. A really long oh, time. we're at like the forty-minute mark when Chakotay is like pulling the ship, pulling yeah. the wires out of the ship. But then it's like, no, was it like the twenty-five-minute mark? Because yeah. then it felt like, and then it was the other half of it was oh. them on the planet. Yeah, trying to figure out. But then they had a, then they found a way into the ship. So yeah, it was like three, three different yeah. movies. Yeah, like that were all shows. twenty minutes long. But they felt like. They felt too long for what they were. Right. But they also felt like they could have been their own episode, which is very odd. Yeah. yeah so there's three different, but it, it, until you think, oh, beginning, middle, end. But the problem is, is that so much of it, like, it wasn't just the beginning of a story. It was a story in itself. Yeah. How the ship got, how they got replaced. Like, and then, like, the middle of the story, which is the middle of the story, could have been its own. Like, mm-hmm. them trying to figure out their prison break, figuring out what they were, like, yeah. finding out that they're in prison. Like, what are they going to do? Like, that happened to Tom Paris and Harry Kim, and that was an entire episode. You know what I mean? And almost, yeah, plus, like, almost nothing that happened when they were having, when they were losing people off the ship, people were being replaced. 
and then Chakotay sabotages the ship. Almost none of that ended up having anything to anything do. to do with when they were down on when they all ended up down in the prison area anyway. Yeah, so like the first almost part- nothing other than bringing the doctor down, which yeah. you would have thought they would have basically done anyway. Almost that had almost no bearing, and then the information that they got in the prison area. And other than Tuvok making weapons, which I guess was the point of the of that with Chakotay, yeah, almost had practically nothing to do with them, with Janeway, Tuvok, Paris, and Torres, yeah, bopping around the different habitats. No, so like that, yeah. So like the beginning could have been five minutes, the middle could have been five minutes, yeah, and then the end could have been like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because like, why did you spend so long? In the beginning, especially when, like, all it was, like, they, they couldn't do anything anyway. So, all they of them just ended up on the planet and they got the, like, and they didn't learn. All they learned was that the the aliens liked it hot. Yeah. And uh, dark. Yeah. So, yeah. like, they didn't really learn anything that was necessary. So, it was just, like, an oddly long time for no reason. And it was, like. Yeah, exactly. It, it it was yeah. That's what it, I guess when that happens, you feel it as a viewer. Yeah, and then the middle part was like they spent they they spent a good portion, but again they that'd didn't be my learn, least favorite part. They didn't learn any really anything. I yeah, mean, yeah. It was very odd. It was very talky. Like it was like Polantoris and Tom Paris fighting. Yeah, it was like uh, the Jarlith character. Like yeah, he was his. He looked cool, but he was not likable in any way. He was like mm. a worse Neelix. Yeah, <laughs> which is bad. And then in the, the time of the ship could have probably been expanded. Like you know, that was my that favorite. Could have been part. more subterfuge. They could have been hiding more. They could have done a lot more yeah. with that. Um, but that even felt long. So all of it felt like every middle begin beginning, middle end felt very long, and like could have been their own episode. I guess it was kind of like it felt like basics, right? The the season finale yeah, and the season they, premiere. Yeah, it was like it was very much like that. Like they got booted off their own ship, and then they have to get their ship back. Um, and they're all, like, everybody was off the ship, you know, and then they're all having to figure out how to survive in this new environment, which is, Uh like, the exact plot line of basics. Yeah. Except that you had, like, that one was way cooler because you had Suter and the Doctor and Tom Paris, like, actually able to save To do more, like, to true subterfuge. Yeah, Yeah, to save That's how you ended up with an actual two-part episode. Yeah. This one just felt like a two-part episode for some reason. So... And it, like, really, like, took me out of it. Um, Sometimes episodes can feel long, and it's a good thing. Like, I thought Deadlock was like that, and that's my favorite episode, you know? Yeah. Um, Because it felt like a movie length and movie concept and all of that. But this was, like, the opposite. Yeah, every... All those things you described weren't very interesting. You know, this... The the beginning, where, like, people are disappearing, and then Chakotay's in charge of the... Of the ship, and they're losing people, and it's like a race against the clock. Like, that was all really fun. Mm-hmm. And then, but yeah, for what? For nothing. Like, but if the whole episode had been like that, that would have been awesome. And then, yeah, it was boring when they were talking to the Jarless guy, and then it was just whatever. And yeah. the, um, when they were going around the different habitats. And so, um, 
that was like the biggest ding on the episode. Yeah. Um, the Paris and Taurus stuff, like we talk about it a lot because like it's you really like them, and I think they're a fun little relationship. They're yeah. almost becoming like synonymous with each other. It seems like yeah. in these last say seven or eight episodes or whatever. Yeah. When you see Paris, you see Torres, and they're like they're doing their thing, you know. Yeah. Which I'm totally fine with. Um, At the detriment to poor Harry Kim. <laughs> you can't do. Yeah, if if that's all Harry Kim's purpose was, was to be Tom Paris's friend, and now he's got nothing to do on the show, then I guess he wasn't a very good character to begin with. Yeah, that's true. And I'm saying that as the guy who has Harry Kim as his ninth favorite character on Star Trek <laughs> Voyager. So. Um, um, so, yeah, so, so that was like, that's what kind of kept it afloat for me in my eyes was the Paris tourist stuff. Mm-hmm. The stuff with Chakotay um, trying to, you know, get the ship back and then deciding, like, fuck it, let's destroy the ship. That was fun. It'd be fun to see an episode that was more like that, only, like, throughout the whole episode. But it wasn't terrible or anything, so I'd give it a um, B-. minus. What about you? Well, as a blind Torres and Tom Perry's shipper, I loved it. Um, I thought it was also, I really liked that um, it, we know exactly kind of how Tom Paris felt. And it was uh, it was really time. I, I do think that it was really time for Belana Torres to show her cards because uh, the relationship was so one-sided. Uh, not really one-sided, but we knew how Tom Paris felt from before and after. Um, and we knew that they were in a relationship and we know... Um, we got a little bit that she liked him in Blood Fever, but it was kind of ambiguous since she was under, like, Vulcan chemicals. <laughs> um, and so Tom Paris consistently puts himself out there, you know? And uh, Blanc Torres is able to just kind of be bitchy, kind of, and snarky about it. And it's cute, and I like it, and flirty, but at a certain point, you don't want Tom Paris to be a doormat. And... So he was able to stand up for himself, even though I don't agree that he was actually in the wrong. <laughs> actually, he was in the wrong. He was also pushy and the bossy friend. And no, he should be more self-aware and realize that he is not easygoing. <laughs> no. no. He wants people to think he's easygoing. Yeah. So, of course, I love the Blonde Taurus, Tom Paris. Um, the Chicote Tuvok was super weird and awkward. Um I really kind of wish that these aliens weren't humans in stupid hats. <laughs> um, I think it took away from the kind of the menace. And again, yeah, it was just a regurgitation of basics, only done worse, you know? Uh, the habitats was interesting, but again, I don't know what the motivation is to, like, it, may, it would make more sense if they were, like, scientists. So if they had put them, made them scientists to that. They could, like, like so these are essentially laboratories. That would make a lot more sense than conquerors. Yeah. Passive, pacifist conquerors. We're studying other species. And stuff like that. That would have been more interesting and more realistic um, motivation for them. Because it just didn't make any sense that they want to travel around the universe, the ship of 94 habitats. Right. 
Oh, we mentioned that the first time we watched it was um, it felt like a original series premise, right? Yeah. Like episode where it's like you accepted a lot of more far out things from that show that didn't really make sense for whatever reason you accepted it more. And this felt like that. Yeah. Like, what? You got a whole ship flying around, but it somehow it contains all these biospheres and like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, why do you need the Voyager ship? If, yeah. if you have that, why do you need a Voyager ship? Yeah. Um, I think it is interesting, the Janeway, they, them kind of making her more grizzled, more ready to, like, she was going, she, I mean, she... She was not going to give these aliens um, a chance, which I appreciate because, yeah, at this point, you've been fucked around so much by all these alien species. Like, no, you're not going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I kind of appreciate that aspect of it. Um, She got into weird, ambiguous territory Mm -hmm. with being willing to murder um, these aliens, essentially putting them in, like, murdering them in the worst kind of way, like, dying of the cold. Like, ugh. Yeah. That's, like, the worst. Um. So, um, yeah, so I thought that was interesting, kind of making it, giving her darker strains, I guess, you know? Yeah, they, I remember they did that with Cisco where he straight up bent the rules, like, directly one time, right? Or yeah. Like he was going to turn a blind eye to something that normally would definitely be, like, way out of bounds, but, like, this is, that feels like how Janeway's going now. But she with her, to. you understand it more because she maybe has to at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate that. And I think it's interesting that, like, she kind of even is getting more hard than Chakotay, you know? Um, making mm-hmm. harder decisions than Chakotay. And it's funny because it started off where he was the one who was not Starfleet. And he was the one who was, like, the hard ass. And he'll punch you in the face if you disobey him or you know if you get out of line and she was the one who we're gonna do everything the starfleet way and you know he's very um she's just very like generous in all ways and it's almost like they flipped now yeah. he's the one who's like straight up naive about these people yeah you know, they haven't done anything wrong yet like they're just popping up on our ship and then our people are disappearing though like <laughs> Second. Yeah, you don't go torture them or anything yet, but I wouldn't trust them either. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. And then I did like I, I did like uh, Chakotay being able to, like, the little montage of, like, I guess I always appreciate, like, the action scenes. And so he got to be the action mm-hmm. star. Whereas last time it was, like, uh, Suter and the doctor. Yeah. So I appreciated that aspect of it. I thought that was pretty cool. So there were a lot of things I liked about it. But, yeah, overall, like, the episode dragged and it would not be watchable at all if it wasn't for the Tom Paris Bellana Torres. And that, I say that only as the Tom Paris Bellana Torres <laughs> shipper. Yeah. Um, so it was made for us. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> um, but uh, you can't hang a whole story off of them. You know, it's not, you know. Because even then it was still a the B plot, essentially. Yeah. To, uh, yeah, or yeah. subplot of the 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 bigger sabotage um, storyline. Yeah, but I will. I'll give it a B minus. I'll give it an eighty one percent. Couple of B minuses. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Tell us what you think. Email us at displacedinspacepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at displacedinspacepodcast. All of this and more can be found on our website, displacedinspace.com. And if you'd like to make this podcast better and stronger, the site also has links to Venmo and PayPal. Finally, if people are enjoying the podcast, what should they do, Angelina? Subscribe. What else? Leave a review wherever they're listening. And what else? Tell a friend. Okay, then. Until next time. Podcast Podcast out. out.